Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to today's episode, everyone. My name is Bobo and I am your host and I'm with the beautiful Flex. It is me. Hello, everyone. And I am your resident optimistic nihilist, reminding you every day of your mortality and the urgency to get your titty sucked and live your best life. And Flex is here as... The person who's encouraging you to facilitate your own nut, do your Googles, and be better than you were yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) That is absolutely the summary, the slogan, and the mantra of this podcast. Welcome to today's episode. Today is going to be a juicy episode where we're talking about beauty pageants. If you follow me on Instagram, you saw that I did a story about beauty pageants since Miss Universe of 2019 is a South African woman. And people were sending me quite a few questions in my DMs asking me, what are your thoughts on having a black South African woman as the winner of Miss Universe? Do you feel inspired? Do you think it's a scam? I want to know your opinion. And since a bunch of people were asking me what my thoughts were, I said, I think beauty pageants are absolutely fucking disgusting. I think it's absolutely inconsequential and honestly quite um, disrespectful that patriarchal institutions like Miss Universe think they can appease black people by giving, let me just like throw a crown at a nigga and call it a day. So we're going to discuss beauty pageants. We're going to discuss Miss Universe. We're also going to discuss how that intersects with capitalism and the patriarchy and feminism. And also just like what it means to be a liberated woman in 2019. So Flex, what are your thoughts on this whole because I was actually quite surprised like when I posted that story I expected everyone to just be like yeah no like facts like beauty pageants are trash like we're over them it's regressive and we're done but I was really quite surprised to find that all of the pushback that I got was 100% black South African women whereas everyone else that agreed with me was from outside of the South African context. So I think there's also something to be said about like how feminism intersects with culture and how women's liberation intersects with geography and how it's subject to space and time. And I also want to discuss that. Like I think South Africa is a very specific country in the sense that we we just got our democracy like five minutes ago. We've only been free for 25 years, literally 26 maybe. So as far as like social justice and socio-political movements, it's a very interesting landscape. And so I think that the way that South Africans navigate feminism and navigate racial justice and freedom is very new. Not very new, but very different. So I want to know your thoughts as well. 
but also coming from someone who is African, but also Australian, but also a woman, but also, yeah, you have all of these intersections. So what are your thoughts? I mean, as of very recently, I'm trying not to be a warrior for every cause. So when mm. this popped up, I was very indifferent. Yeah. Um, in terms of my personal opinions towards beauty pageants, I just haven't thought about them critically ever. Yeah. Like they don't cross my path. I'm not interested in them. And so when this came up, I could understand on a like systemic level, how is a, a, um, an objectively, no, a subjectively important feat for black women and mm. particularly African women. Um, but then I could also understand the critiques about why pageants even have a place in 2019. Yeah. Um, and if not for your Instagram story, I wouldn't have thought any more about it. I didn't click an article I didn't research the winners, winner. I don't know. I wasn't interested. Yeah. That being said, um, it would be easier for me to talk about my feelings towards this once we read out your Instagram story. Because I think you encapsulate why I'm, I'm not on the fence, mm. but my indifference has made me, has made it really difficult for me to articulate how I feel about it. Yeah. And I really like the distinction you made, um, on progress versus symbols of progress. Yeah. As we all know, I am, is a fan the right word? I am, I'm understanding of performative activism and performative progress in Mm. systems um, where it's required. And I think this is a great example of how it could be potentially beneficial to those who didn't understand why a system or I guess a, what do you call a beauty pageant? Like a culture, like a beauty pageant hadn't, accepted and embraced people of color in like a whole minute yeah so or ever ever really i mean other ethnic ones i mean no they have been i think miss usa right now is black well i also want to discuss even with that um there's been a lot of in south africa because i've been here now for what like a week and a half or so um so i literally arrived the day that she won And I feel like there's been a lot of praise and like, I feel like as a country, we take it a lot more seriously than like other countries do. Like, I think when Miss USA won, I didn't see the same amount of like fervor and excitement that, oh my God, there's a black woman who won Miss USA. So I think the indifference that you speak about is also cultural and is also subject Mm. to space and time, which I also think is something interesting to note. So I think that like... Yeah, yeah, we'll get into that. Oh, hold on, I've just done a Google. Mm. <laughs> Somebody, said, on, I asked my Instagram story a couple of weeks ago, like what they, if I had a catchphrase, what would it be? And somebody was like, "Wait, let me Google it," or like, "Yeah, Wait, I just Google it." It's so <laughs> fucking true. Anyway, um, Back. apparently, according to People dot com, not that that's a credible news site, but we're going to use it today. Yeah. Um, the first time in world history that all five major titles, Miss America, Miss USA, Miss Teen USA, Is Miss now. Universe, and now Miss World, have uh, been held by black women. Yes. So I, I see. I get it. Yeah. And like, but do you think that's a coincidence? Dips. Yeah. Yeah. Because well, I think that's this... very intentional also. We'll get into that. Yes. That's, that, but that's really the meat that we want to, that yeah. I want to get into. So basically yeah. I said, I started with this post where I said, someone just asked me what I think of Miss Universe being a black South African woman. 
And I literally hate the concept of beauty pageants and I'm confused as to why they're still allowed to go on. Five question marks. Miss Universe is literally just an award show where a bunch of skinny women with Eurocentric features compete to see who's better at making men's dick hard. Ew. It reeks of patriarchy and colonialism. And also there's nothing progressive about it just because the winner is African with kinky hair. Can we please have higher standards? And can we stop measuring women's worth through a dehumanizing male gaze? Also, the questions they ask these women are uninteresting, boring, and vapid. Ultimately, Miss Universe is for men's libido and not women's empowerment. Good night. So I pretty much just left it at that and thought, like, that's the end of that. I really didn't even expect much discourse because I just assumed we'd all be on the same page. But shortly after that, I got a message um from a very angry girl I, I can't her message was so long that it doesn't even fit on my page but I'll just read the half of it that does and it says you think so highly of yourself that you literally think you can keep an intellectual accomplished mind interested you don't realize that sometimes it takes more it takes something more radical than just spitting your opinion to whoever will listen miss universe has reached millions of black women and told them to take space in society she's encouraged us to be leaders are you capable of reaching the masses and encouraging them stick to your rants on social media on your podcast and if you have nothing nice to say about people who are actually making a tangible difference say nothing we don't need your negativity in joyful moments so that was a really interesting message that I got and my critique of that was a what tangible difference does it make to be competing about who is more beautiful on a stage and on a standard that is inherently patriarchal and dehumanizing Because I also was not coming for the winner. I wasn't coming for Miss Universe. I was critiquing beauty pageants and the institution of it all. I find it extremely absurd that we're measuring women's worth on their appearance. And I also find it weird that we frame beauty as a talent and not a gift. But that's another story. (laughs) That's another one of my arguments. That one hurt. That one hurt. (laughs) So then I also said, okay, I'm getting quite a few messages from women who are mad at my take on beauty pageants and I seem to have hit a nerve. And I think it's also important to recognize that like the most pressing issue after global warming and after AI is women's liberation because every single system of oppression from capitalism to religion to neocolonialism is literally rooted in the subjugation of women. And no one is free until women are free. Like women's liberation is undeniably one of the most important movements or causes of our time. So for this reason, I feel like as if, especially if you're going to call yourself a feminist and if you claim to be about the cause, I really think that we don't have time for women to not be on the same page when it comes to liberation. And this is where I also said, look, there's a difference between progress versus symbols of progress. And there's also a difference between freedom versus symbols of freedom. And if you've never experienced freedom, you'll settle for any symbol of freedom that white supremacist patriarchal capitalism will sell you, which is exactly what's happening. That one, 
you know, it hit a spot. <laughs> that did that one hit a spot. And that's literally what I think is happening right now. I think these institutions they clocked because it's no coincidence that Miss USA, Miss Universe, Miss fucking everything is a black dark-skinned woman right now. They have clocked that in order to virtue signal, they can just latch on to the most vulnerable group, which is who is the group that are the most I don't want to use the word desperate and I'm not using it as a negative connotation, but who is the demographic right now that is the most desperate for freedom and they saw that it's black women and they use that to virtue signal and uplift themselves as a virtuous institution and i just find it disgusting that we just wouldn't see through those games because how many how many times do we need to let companies and corporations benefit off of black rage and black excitement like it's every day doing absolutely nothing for us and yet benefiting off of our rage and our excitement. And I just feel like we need to do better because ultimately, like, I just don't think that inclusion means shit if it's not followed up for equality. And I think a lot of time as feminists, as people who are interested in women's liberation, we settle for integration and inclusion instead of equality and freedom because the two just aren't the same. You know what I mean? And I just think Say as it women, one more time. Say it one more time. We just be settling for inclusion and integration instead of reaching for equality and freedom. Like that fucked me up. Wow. And that's also why I think racial integration is a scam. And that's also why I think inclusion is a scam. And that is in the context of body positivity, in the context of race, in the context of women. It's just a scam. If you're not following up your inclusion with equality, then you are just like, am I a dickhead? Do you know what I mean? So I think ultimately, I think as women and also as people of color, we really do ourselves a huge disservice when we settle for scraps instead of asking for more. Because if white institutions really saw people of color as equals, then where are the reparations? If men really saw women as equals... Please explain the wage gap. Do you know what I mean? And so I think it's when we settle for these symbols of equality and these symbols of freedom, which is inclusion and diversity politics. That's when we don't actually get what we're looking for, which is equality, which is equal access. I don't want to be fucking included in your movie if you're going to pay me half the amount. Remember that that interview with Viola Davis? Mm-hmm. Where she was talking which about one? how, I can't remember who was interviewing her, which publication, but she was talking about how she's become, everyone refers to her as the black Meryl Streep. And she was saying, don't don't refer to me as the black Meryl Streep if you're not going to give me Meryl Streep money. I'm still barely getting paid the same amount of Meryl Streep as Meryl Streep is. So how am I, how, how am I in her league? Like y'all still don't respect me. So don't pretend. And that's exactly how I feel. Like, can we just stop settling and stop and just start asking for more and doing better? Because ultimately, like, yes, I think it's great that we've established an alternative standard of beauty conceptually, not in practice, but conceptually. Um, But I also think it's more important to recognize that women are there for more than just to look pretty for men. 
And it's also important to recognize that inclusion is not equality. And that's just my stance on beauty pageants. We could absolutely end the podcast there. I'm screaming. (laughs) So many words were said, and I appreciate the length and depth that you've thought about it. Yeah. Because um, if I was a different bitch, I'd be very excited by, you know, this information and the inclusion of African people in these pageants and so on and so forth. So let's touch on your Instagram story to start with. I think... um, Number one, we could dissect pageants for days, but the reason they exist is because what men find attractive and interesting will always reign supreme. Yes. Period. Facts. Secondly, when it comes to, um, can we say it's coincidental? Yeah. <laughs> Coincidentally, every major pageant having a black, uh, some look black, medium to dark skin women as the winners. Mm. I don't want to be the person who shits on um, celebration because I do think as performative as it may appear Mm. and as uh, inclusion baity as it may appear for this to happen, it is um, for those who have never seen a problem with pageant and have never seen the problem with the lack of quote unquote inclusivity in pageants who are now seeing it being celebrated so heavily and so widely by mainstream legitimate publications they can now look to the the lapse in their judgment of oh why hasn't this happened before so on and so forth Mm. i the point where boba really like drilled this into me is the idea that when we look at progress even though uh, symbols of progress are all we have until we get to actual progress it is very important to look at these things from a very critical lens what is it saying that suddenly in 2019 when it's trendy to be socially conscious Oop. that a an event that's built off the idea of hypersexualizing women making them compete for beauty first knowledge second mm. um co- making women compete against each other generally when this institution now says that this is the new standard of what we deem to be beautiful it's still under the guise of what that institution has stood before fundamentally before right. we got to this really progressive place right so i totally understand that with that being said though <clears throat> i don't know if our lifetime is the lifetime where progress like full like progress will happen and so mm. if we don't accept these symbols of progress and we don't show people who aren't having these very left-leaning progressive conversations that progress needs to happen how does it reach future progress makers and what i mean by that is currently we know all the ceos are CEOs of these institutions are smart and they know what it means to pander and they know that yeah. black excitement and black rage equals money in their pockets. And profit, yeah. But, and profit. But these future CEOs who may benefit from nepotism don't know this mm. just as well. Mm. So if we're not showing them that celebrating, you know, contrary standards of beauty or contrary standards of being Mm. are important then how else will they know that when it's their time to you know trickle down this information that they have the not the right information but different information to what they already know yeah like how is chad age 18 whose interests involve twitch and soccer going to know that it's important to include people of different colors creeds or whatever if not for performative acts like this Mm. well i think that's why i say we need to keep the same energy for celebration as we do for progress and Mm, so wow what i mean by that is 
it's all good and well. I'm not even knocking the celebrating of black beauty. Like, yes, that is something that we need to do. But I do think that if if that's where we're stopping, then actually we won't ever progress. We won't ever progress just because the people who... The people who subjugate women are never going to be the ones to educate you on how to overthrow these institutions. Like Mm -hmm. the person who, your oppressor isn't going to educate you on how to overthrow them. And so Mm. if they know that all it takes is a cute little celebration of black beauty just for them to make more money or to profit off of your subjugation, then that's all they're going to do. And so that's, I think the point of being more critical about these conversations about progress and feminism and liberation is so that we don't just stop at a surface level. Uh, um, You know what I mean? Or else we'll just be here forever. And so I think if, if everyone every day is just like, oh, okay, it's enough for you to just add a black face, like have a token black girl in your movie. Like if that's going to be enough, then actually like that's, that's just going to be the limit of our progress. The limit of our progress is always going to be superficial. It's always going to be performative and it's always going to benefit the oppressor. Because also when I look at one of the arguments that people had um, about my story was that, well, this is something that she wanted. And so because this is something that she wanted, then that's, that's enough. Like who are we to say that she shouldn't get what she wants? And I think there's an inherent dissonance in that type of logic. I think as humans, there's always going to be a dissonance between your desire for pleasure and your desire for progress. And I think Mm -hmm. it's not enough to just stop at pleasure. Like if you want to be healthy, but you also want to eat a cake every night, you have to choose which one you want and then go. You know what I mean? Like you can't have your cake Mm -hmm. and eat it too. And I think the same goes for um, women's liberation and just feminist progress and dismantling all these systems of oppression, we have to differentiate between what we desire for pleasure versus what we desire for progress. And then we have to prioritize progress over pleasure if we're trying to progress. But Mm. one isn't inherently better than the other. I just think at this point, we need to make a decision and keep it pushing. Like, otherwise, it's just everyday cognitive dissonance. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? (laughs) <laughs> I love that. Okay, so I all what I was what, what I recognized from what you were saying just then also is that the reason why there probably isn't a single-minded um approach to what progress is is because we've been taught that feminism is an individual practice that helps the greater community, mm. not a community practice that helps the individual. Ooh, so, wait, what do you mean by that? So in this instance, like when the average day-to-day person is what, from what I'm, from what I'm imagining mm. and the way I practice um, anything, mm. I look at it from an individual perspective. So like, it's the same way I can know that capitalism affects me negatively, but I also benefit it from it on a, on a like individual scale. Yeah. So when I'm practicing feminism, I can acknowledge that my feminism means that I'm prioritizing this, 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 and that. But yeah. the greater conversation around feminism might contradict that. So let me do my bit and contribute. And then if it helps, it helps. It doesn't, it doesn't. Mm. I think what you're advocating for, which is this, which is idealistic because we're not there yet is having a community mindset. And then as individuals doing our bit to ensure that community mindset yeah. um, furthers along, I don't know if we all have the capacity to think as a community at this level. And that's why there's so much dissonance between 
very many of us understanding that beauty pageants and you know what we've been presented is still not enough but because it's enough for us to say that progress has been seeded and we can just keep on doing our own individual feminist practice on this end yeah i don't think people and as you said if we were going to if we were going to work or um if we were going to enact anything on a level that was to benefit everyone Mm. then our part our slice of that pie would be so minute that the average person wouldn't want to do it you know oh interesting like if 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 you're saying that not you but if somebody was saying that in order for all women to be paid equally then every woman would need to agree to have their wage capped at 30k a year yeah well no on my own, I can make it to 60K. But that, K, see, that is that is the dissonance with progress too, is that mm-hmm. individualism and social progress cannot coexist. So mm-hmm. we cannot be self-serving, but also community-based at the same time. Like it can't happen. And so, I mean, the same even goes for, we talk a lot about um, distributing wealth, right? But if we really want wage equality and wealth equality, then that means that the people at the very top have to sacrifice their, you know what I mean? Like you have to, you can't be, we can't have a society with billionaires, but also have wage equality at the same time. The same thing goes for everyone. Like if we want, if we want equality across the board, then we can't have it where everyone is self-serving. If we want to, um, a society that is just and a society that prioritizes equality, then you cannot have it in a culture that is fundamentally individualistic. So I feel like if we are, and I think this also, again, is the limits of, this is also why I don't identify as anything, Mm. um, why I don't identify as a feminist or whatever it is, because I think you limit yourself when you be, when you enclose yourself in one of these groups because they become dogmatic like as soon as you call yourself a feminist it's really hard to not it's not impossible but it's really hard to to critically think about how does feminism intersect with capitalism how does feminism mm. intersect with um, the patriarchy how does feminism intersect with every single system of oppression like how does feminism intersect with colonialism but I think like once you're inside this box that is feminism it's really hard to see outside of the box to see how all of the external forces surrounding it are affecting it and one of the ways that capitalism Um, contradicts feminism is that feminism is inherently communal while capitalism is inherently individualistic and so if we're talking about liberating women or we're talking about dismantling capitalism or we're talking about justice progress and equality we cannot come at it from the same individualistic mindset that we come at capitalism but on a practical level, mm. how do you ensure that every person is on the same page? Because the benefit of participating in a practice like feminism mm. is is going to be, there will be less benefits if we find a central reason to identify and exist. Oh yeah, absolutely. No? I mean, I think, I think we should see these movements as a means to an end and not the end goal. Do you get what I mean? Mm, so I don't yeah, think, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I don't think feminism oh, is inherently this is like useless. incels. Like incels need to look at like their current. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get it, I get it, I get it. <laughs> Wait, how is it, it like incels? incels? <laughs> because like, in 
incels create a movement based mm. on the fact that they cannot you know find a romantic partner but the end goal is to find a romantic partner yes. and on the journey to that end goal they're stuck identifying as incels and there can't we go past. wow that's Look absolutely at me connecting dots all we shout do out is to learn. incels that's every all we day do. shout out to incels all we do is Truly. learn but that's exactly what i'm saying that wouldn't have clicked until then wow all we do all we do is learn um, but yeah, that's literally, I couldn't have said it better myself. We need to see movements, not even just movements, but any type of belief system or ideology or religion as a means to an end and not the end itself. Because if you're using it as an end itself, it's always going to be contradictory. Do you know what I mean? So we need mm. to just, at this, like, we need to move beyond that. Um, so I think it's not necessarily about it's not about getting rid of feminism. It's about reframing reframing it and navigating it in a way that's more conducive to liberation, which is not as um, a black and white belief, but as a journey. Like it's not the end of the road. It's not now I'm a feminist and this is, solu- and this is the solution. It's really just part of the formula. And the end goal is just to be able to like think outside of any thought prison to think outside of any belief system because it's only when you do that when you can see how everything intersects but you can't do that while you're still inside the box do you know you absolutely just blown minds there because i do believe that the majority of people who do identify as being a feminist Mm. are doing it as an identifier yeah it sort of encompasses all your beliefs in once. It helps you identify with yourself and others. Mm. It's a simple way to like <laughs> almost self, self-preserve. Like I'm a feminist. Oh, yeah. These are my ideals. This is what I believe in. This is what I don't condone. Yeah. But I, I feel like majority of people have forgotten that, yeah, it, the feminism as a practice was born or conceived out of this like journey towards equity and equality. Yeah. It also helps... It helps with empathy as well. And it also helps with like seeing the bigger picture. So when we see feminism as a way to liberate humanity and as a way to dismantle systems of oppression, then it's so much more useful because it's all encompassing. In the same way that like I no longer see queerness as just a sexuality, but I actually see it as a format for liberation. I think like queerness is such a good template for how women, for how humans should self narrate themselves. Like queerness is the only marker of identity that exists on a spectrum instead of a, instead of a binary system of thinking. Imagine if we took that template and applied it to all of our intersecting binaries, how much more sense the world would make. So it's like, when you don't just see yourself as an LGBTQ activist, you can see queerness not just as a sexuality, but also like as a political as a political tool to reform and also like as a philosophical tool to change the way we see ourselves as sentient beings. It's just like everything intersects. I don't know if I've just made any sense there. 
You have. You absolutely have made a lot of sense. Yeah. But what I'm now from from this, I'm trying to work all the way back mm. to where we began. And so if I'm asking you, not that you will have all the answers, yeah. but I know that sometimes we can get caught up in discourse and forget to give people like actionable oh, yeah, um, facts. tips and tricks to like, you know, help them critically think through it. But <clears throat> so if we go to the beginning, mm. let's say I'm a person who now understands that the whole idea of um, beauty pageants can only be so progressive when it was, when essentially it's designed under a patriarchal gaze. Mm. So what now? Like, do I, can I acknowledge the, the celebration? Can I acknowledge the progress? Is it progress? Um, do I, am I boycotting? Like what happens there? And though we're not feeding people their beliefs, I just want to, talk more about what happens now with this information people have. Yeah, I think so. It's I think the first step is to separate the person from the institution. So I think one of the reasons people mm-hmm. were so mad at my take is because they heard it as you are coming for this black woman unnecessarily when it's like, no, 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 I'm coming for the institution. So your anger is misplaced. We should always go. And this is just something that I use in practice in general, like, Always be hard on the problem, but soft on the people. Like, Mm. the winner of Miss Universe or the winner of Miss USA, this has nothing to do with her. Like, she's just... She's literally just, like, a puppet on the the stage. Um, Like, yeah, it could have been anyone. Yeah, it could have been anyone. So, it's not a personal attack and it has absolutely nothing to do with her. And so, we always... We critique the problem and not the people. And in this case, that's Miss Universe and not the winner and the second thing is what was the what was the other part of the oh what else do we do as far as like actionable things to do i think if you want to do anything by the way yeah yeah because information literally yeah this is a lot of information i think it's up to you to decide to decide whether you want progress or whether you want pleasure because oftentimes the two cannot intersect. And we talked in our episode about the problem with wokeness is that the contradiction in social justice warriors is that if you're a warrior for everything, then actually you're a warrior for nothing. So mm-hmm. it's honestly fine if you decide that actually I care more about climate change than I do about women's liberation. So I'm opting out of this conversation like I don't give a fuck. Like, that's fine. But make that decision with your chest and keep it pushing. Because you do... And also it's kind of... No, go on. Yeah, and I was just going to say, you do yourself and the movement more of a disservice when you're half-assing it as opposed to giving it, doing it with your full chest. I remember I remember after we uh, published that episode, people were confused as to what we meant by, like, why can't we care about everything? Like, what's the problem? Mm. We're not saying that you can't care about everything, but it's the idea that you only have finite resources and a finite amount of time, money, energy, emotional energy, all of that to Mm. give to any given cause. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
Um, especially if you have progress on the agenda and not just performing progress as most of us do. I do that shit all the time. So, um, if you imagine like your, your resources as a pie chart, um, divided into little quadrants or little sections. And if you've, if you, you could have your whole pie dedicated to one thing or split it into two, two sections, one for climate change, one for race relations, yeah. or you can dissect it into 16 different quadrants and give your 8% everywhere. Mm. It's progress, whichever way you look at it. And it, you're investing your time, whichever way you look at it, but one will probably um, garner you better or quicker or more fulfilling results. Cause you're giving more conscious, active energy as opposed to spreading yourself thin to appear virtuous if that's what you're doing you might just have multiple interests that allow you to spread yourself um in multiple different directions yeah or if you're a full-time like activist then you probably do have more energy and time to spread yourself thin but the vast majority of people just aren't so just be realistic and make your decision and keep it pushing you know absolutely this is actually why i don't identify as an activist yes for me Yes. I've been, I'm really cognizant and aware of what people, activists past and present are doing to further change. Mm. You know, it's not, it's not just the the sweet little tweet every now and then. It's not the Instagram post. It's actually getting up, leaving your house, showing up, not going to a performative rally. It's, you know, writing your local, like, bill makers. Yeah. It's sending the letters. It's active. It's like actually activating. It's It's campaigning. It's, putting yourself maybe even physically on the line to make sure that the people behind you don't have to work or you're almost like protecting the rest of the world from this issue. You're handling it almost on your own. I think that's what people confuse about activism. Although it's for the community, a lot of the activists that I know and engage with are doing it singularly on on the ground to make sure change happens for the rest of us. Exactly. You know what I mean? So it's not, for me, like, that's not what I'm trying to do. I'm a very Same. self-serving person. Capitalism has me in. It yeah. rips. You know what I mean? But I'm you see shackled. that self-awareness? This is the self-awareness <laughs> I'm talking about. Like, pick your lane and keep it pushing. You know what I mean? No, yeah. I agree with you entirely in that. This is also why I don't identify as an activist. So I don't identify as anything, really. And I like to differentiate also between being something and practicing something. So while Mm. I'm not a feminist, I practice feminism. Like, while I'm not a Buddhist, I practice Buddhism. And there's a difference in the ways that you self-narrate or how you relate to movements and beliefs and ideologies. But in that same way, I'm not an activist, but I know... Again, and I've said this in a previous episode, I know my role in society and I know that I'm the court jester. So I'm not going (laughs) to be out in the streets protesting because that's not my lane. But I will make the podcast and the content to entertain the person who will change the world. Like, I'm not the (laughs) bitch who's going to change the world. And I'm cool with that. And I know my lane. And I think, like, part of self-awareness is just knowing where you stand in society, what you have, like, what you have the energy, the time and the resources for. And just making a decision and keeping it pushing. And there's no right or wrong decision. There's just the performative or the non-performative one. But, like, just do things with your motherfucking chest. Yeah, and I don't, like, villainize or, like, I'm not going to berate anyone who hasn't really figured out yeah. um, what activism is and what it has the potential to be because social media really fucked that one up. I mean, yeah. I'm sure for the longest time people thought that, you know, 
turning your profile picture blue was and was the extent was enough yeah. of how <laughs> your activism should be practiced because there isn't really a guidebook um and i also think it's there is a presumption that people will do the additional research. Mm. And so it's what we spoke about in that performative activism episode where it's the presumption that, you know, the profile pictures are blue and then you'll Google and see why, and then you'll read up on it. And then you'll take the necessary steps to also um, like influence whatever cause it is positively. You'll donate yeah. your money, you'll donate your time, you'll like leave your house, you'll like contact your local MP or whatever. But that doesn't happen because people fundamentally do not care as much as we like to think we do. Mm. Um, And I feel like for the longest time we've conflated, like we've put, yeah, we've conflated the the process of literally like lifting up a thumb and clicking like to activism, (laughs) activism. Like I've done my bit. Um, And it feels like a lot when there are so many people who don't even do that. When there are people who won't share the headline or won't share the article or won't go to the rally, it feels like Mm. what you're doing is great. And it is great in contrast to doing nothing. Yeah. (laughs) But it might not be great in contrast to those who are doing everything. And I don't want to be that contrarian who's like, if you're not going to do all of it, don't do any of it. Because that's not what I'm about either. It's just being mindful of how much your efforts are going to translate into action and change. Right. And that might not be your prerogative, but let's not conflate, you know, a few retweets, Instagram posts, um, and a few like every, you know, three months, hey, like the world's ending to literally you know, being a climate change activist. There yeah. are levels to this. And I'm not on that level, so don't check for me. Like I say <laughs> I stay knowing what I have the capacity to continually care about and it's me very too. few things. Yeah. Because also no what's kind of what's kind of put me off um like educating people on what it is to make social change and the steps necessary is that now I'm held to the standard of being the change maker for all. I don't care that much. Right. Yeah. But also like, like, why should you? Yeah. You know, like I'm not trying to be, it's not everyday lecturer. It's not everyday educator. It's not everyday, you know, distill this, you know, complicated information down to me in full Instagram stories. So I get it. It's not every day. Provide me the link. It's not every day. What was that thing you mentioned the other day? I forgot. Yeah. Like I don't want to do all that <laughs> shit. So I know what I'm capable of. And I also know, um, I know what I can physically output. I have yes. a finite amount of time to do things I want to do. And I've also become quite comfortable with the consequences of not activating. You know what I mean? Yes, I I wanted to talk about that. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I know, I'm I'm the type of person who's acutely aware that if we all don't, like, put put on our big person pants and get (laughs) shit done, that we don't benefit positively. Yeah. And I'm fine with that. Yeah. That's the hill I'm dying on. Yeah. But if you're not fine with that, that if you're anxious from not making change, then, you know, you got to be careful with that one. Absolutely. And that's what I mean when I say make a decision and go because I think there's a lot of dissonance when it comes to desires, um, desires of pleasure versus desires of progress. I think that a lot of us want for the apocalypse to end. A lot of us don't like the idea of human extinction. A lot of us don't like the idea of animals going extinct. But then when you're like, oh, like, are you willing to recycle? It's crickets. Uh, mm-hmm. Are you willing to compost? It's crickets. Are you willing mm-hmm. to go plant-based? It's crickets. So I think there's a lot of that dissonance. I don't think that people necessarily want the world to end. But I do think that 
Oh, I don't think that people are scared of the world ending. I think that people are scared of the work that requires to make sure that the world does not end. And I think that requires sitting with yourself and being very honest about what you want versus what you desire in the short term. In the same way that like a lot of people will say they want to live for a hundred years or they want to live as long as possible. And yet you smoke 10 packets of cigarettes every day. (laughs) You eat McDonald's for breakfast. It's lamb shank for midnight snack. Like, bitch, the inconsistency. (laughs) The inconsistency stay jumping out like every day. So for me, I've decided, listen, I have a sugar addiction. So Mm. I know the ways that I'm healthy and the ways that I'm not healthy. I eat a whole lot of vegetables and I exercise a lot. But bitch, my sugar addiction, (laughs) if I get diabetes, I'm very ready. Like I've mentally prepared myself (laughs) because I'm not playing with myself about my willpower and what Mm. I want versus what I can actually get. And I think that dissonance requires a lot of self-awareness and critical thinking and honesty. Like, what are you Mm. actually capable of doing versus what do you actually want for yourself and the world? And the same goes for feminism. The same also goes for this idea of, like, this flawed idea of sexual liberation. Like, what do you actually want for women versus what do you actually want for yourself? Like... Where's the dissonance? What are you willing to give up and sacrifice? And what do you want as a result? Like, let's all just sit down with ourselves and be honest. And I feel like the world would honestly be so much more efficient and productive if we were all just honest and like we thought critically about how everything intersects with the other and how we play a role. Mm. The, the, the one... The example you said, like, you know, what do I want for myself versus what I want for women? Mm. It's all, you know, like, I'm here for all women until, you know, that one woman is racist. (laughs) Or that one woman's homophobic. Or that one woman's transphobic. Or that one woman is, like, you know, right and conservative. Or that one... (laughs) But this is exactly... Every woman, mm. but that woman, not that woman, but every other woman. You see, do you see? I mean, the biggest example of this was how 60% of the people who voted for Trump were white women. Bloop. Bloop. 60% <laughs> of you hoes were white women. So no. don't talk to me, talking to me about how we're all feminists, but then you go vote for Trump. Bitch, get the fuck out of here. Like, get out. The inconsistencies make me sick. I'm tired. I was what I was what I was listening to this interview with Ianla. Mm. Um, for those who don't know, Google, she's an iconic um, black psychologist and therapist. She's got her own TV show. Yeah, she's like Oprah, but she's like licensed. Mm. Um, but essentially, like somebody was asking her the question of you know bringing up that statistic and talking about you know this idea of it's all women for women, but then there's this clear divide between women who are vehicles for the patriarchy. Yeah. Trump, like, i.e. potentially Trump voters. Yeah. And then the rest of us. Um, and then uh, that was like a point made. And then, you know, the interviewer was kind of like, but, you know, how do we how do we work on the men? Because men are really dangerous. Men are mm. violent. And she's like, you know what? Like, 
men I've like parked them to the side for the moment and I've had to remind myself that it's these white women that raise these white men and yes, so if we're ever yeah. going to get to a point where men are in a position where they're evolving and progressing mm. from the womb then we need to look at how they're raised and it starts yes. and stops with women and I was like oh look at this accountability that we have to start having exactly oh my god I love that so much because mm-hmm. that's just facts as fuck I think what gets in the way, just to go off of the point that you just made, I think what gets in the way or what causes women to be vehicles of patriarchy is that people conflate um, people conflate freedom with privilege. So I think a lot of women call themselves feminists um, and a lot of these women claim to want freedom, but really they just want access to patriarchal privilege. In the same way that a lot of black men are not interested in liberating women. They're not interested in liberating black women. They're just interested in having access to whiteness. So I also think that one of the things we need to do when it comes to establishing what we want is defining what freedom is. Because there's a difference between freedom and privilege. You are not free as a woman just because you have you have access to patriarchal privilege, to patriarchal power. There's really just a difference between having access to the privileges that oppress you versus actually transcending those structures of oppression and actually being free. So we also need to just be clear on like, what is freedom? What does it look like? What does it taste like? What does it smell like? Because freedom is not privilege. Mom, come pick me up. Bobo's (laughs) making us think too hard. Look, I just want access to privilege. I'm screaming. (laughs) I'm like, have you, like, look. Yeah. I just, like, I I could, look, I can't even comprehend what I would need to do on an individual level, on a community level, and then later on on a systemic level to make sure that the freedoms that I've been gifted or allowed to indulge in are for everything and then also extend to the women and people of color around me. And for that, I say, let me just take symbols of freedom because (laughs) what I don't want to do is be a martyr. And activism yeah, oh, is I see. martyrdom. I was just going to say that. Activism is martyrdom. But also, I think progress is martyrdom. Like, I think, um, especially in the context of capitalism, like, if we really want to dismantle capitalism, the first thing that we have to do on an individual level is be okay with letting go of the comforts. Do you know, but like how many people are willing to do that? Like how many people are willing to not have hot towels after you shower? How many people are willing to not live in the nicest house? You know what I mean? Like how many people are willing to not have a house help? Like to not have Chick-fil-A? Like Baby, all of these better things. have house help on this side. <laughs> Can't we talk about house help? They were like, so the blacks are still doing slavery to their own kind? Oh my God, I know. We're not ready we for that conversation. <laughs> We are not ready for that conversation. But I feel like if you were to ask the average person if they're willing to give up some of their comforts and luxuries for, you know, uh, like for change, many of us don't view comforts and luxuries for what they are. Like hot showers. When I went to Ghana, I don't think I even put it on my story because I'm like, I can't even have this conversation. But (laughs) when I went from Accra, the main city, to Kumasi, like the secondary city. Yeah. It's more like like a a hot village. But 
the fact that I was in a 10 bedroom house mm. that my mum owns and I was showering with a bucket. Yeah, no, that's just too much like, for people. Like, it's too much <laughs> so for people I feel to like comprehend. People, people still compliment, like, people were still viewed like showers, sheets, access to shelter yeah. as like a right and not a luxury. So mm. when you're talking about giving up comforts, they're like, okay, I'll just have the iPhone 6 or the iPhone 11. Instead I get of the it. iPhone. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, I'll just take the bus today, not the Uber. I get it. Which is just not what's being said. <laughs> That's right not now. at all. Wow. <laughs> but this again is why like progress is so subject to space and time. Like what comfort is in South Africa is very different from what comfort is in New York. For me, my ideal path to progress is we have to decolonize one of the main problems is the education system because i think it fucks up the way people think i think like critical thinking is just not encouraged within our society and within our our school systems because we think in such linear ways and in such boxed ways so that's one is decolonizing the ways that we think decolonizing our imaginations just decolonizing everything The second is a willingness to prioritize the community over the individual. So that is where we talk about giving up the pseudo, the pseudo security that comes with capitalism. So the perceived or illusory security that your job gives you or the pseudo comforts um, that comes with having a structured day and going to your nine to five or whatever it is. And then the second thing is recognizing that progress can only really happen in micro communities. So we really just aren't wired as humans to live in communities of more than 50 people. So this thing of living in cities of millions of people just doesn't work. It's just, it just can't work. It only encourages like more hierarchies and more inequalities. So we have to live in micro communities. And then the, the next step is liberating women. And then the next step is democratic confederalism, which is a story for another day. But if you're interested in in what democratic confederalism is, just go ahead and Google that and we'll take the conversation from there. But that for me is like my ideal step by step liberating human beings and making sure that we don't go extinct. But if we're not ready, I feel like we're not even on step one and the world is already ending. So I don't I don't even too much know about that. Like, I don't know. <laughs> like in this big like 2019, <clears throat> like people still like this is how far we're not on the same page. Right. So like historically on like an unrelated note, taking mm. a shower is to clean your body. Yeah. Like the same way you would wash a dish. There is grime. There is remnants of, you know, food, dirt. So you take the soap, you take the dishwashing liquid, you take the sponge and you scrub it clean and you let it dry. Similar Mm. to showers. We're not there to dilly dally. We're not there to (laughs) hang around. You are there with a purpose to clean. So if you're telling me you haven't got behind the ears, behind the neck, the underarms, like the the, the crease of the the groin, the feet, the toes, huh? How did we get it so twisted? It's too late. Yeah. Why are we looking to showering as purely comfort? As purely a time to relax. You are there to work. So similarly, (laughs) if 
These, or even on the topic of hygiene, I was on my story asking people, do they brush their tongues? And the vast majority, I'm pretty sure, said no. And then, (laughs) and then there was please don't don't do this. Should we halitosis? Welcome. Should we use, you know, of those who do brush our tongues, do we use a brush or do we use a scraper? Please don't do this to me. But then, do not do this. after effects of that conversation is me and my DMs talking to people about how, you know, many were finding that tongue scraping is optional. Like it doesn't stop anything from happening. It's purely an aesthetic thing that people are recommending to uh, market more dental products to us. And I said, sweetie, it takes one Google to find out that the majority of like bacteria that's housed in your mouth is on your tongue. It's on your tongue. You know, Please like brush your tongue. Oh my God. And like to me. Just to takes, fester? It takes more effort to try and convince me it's not true than it does to just Google it and then just go brush, brush your, your tongue. tongue. <laughs> <laughs> so similarly, if we can't get on the same page about what should be perceived about as, general, <laughs> as general knowledge, then I'm not, I'm not convinced personally that we have... Mm, as a community the range range to get across very complex topics these are complex topics and to regard them as anything but would be quite naive of us so if the basic basic you know like we we're not even on the same page should we drink water out of the tap or should we drink bottled water is it marketing or is it necessary i don't know I'm fucking screaming. Are we cleansing once? Are we cleansing twice? I don't know. Should I be chewing 20 times before I swallow like I do? Or is that just excessive? I don't know. Wow. Should we wash our legs or nah? <laughs> or do you let the water trickle down? 100%. Wow. You know, can you really massage your scalp to stimulate hair growth? Or? Wow. No. You know? Do things happen for a reason or is it random? Who knows? Who fucking knows, man? So the, we say wow. all this to say that, you know, symbols of progress versus progression, symbols of freedom versus having actual, versus being free. These are, it's just information. What we need to do yeah. on our individual end is process what we're striving for and what we're working towards, and if that's conducive to the outcome that we want. Like Bobo said, Mm. a lot of us don't actually want freedom. We just want to benefit from certain privileges. Hello? I can put my hand up. You know, I want So decide what you want and go. (laughs) (laughs) And decide what you want and go. This decision-making, I feel like a lot of people have decision anxiety because they associate making decisions with keeping um, and, and sticking to the decisions they've made. No, it's mm. just to say that for this process right now, decide for one thing. And if that happens to change, then you can decide for that later on. Living in this gray, um, gray spot of ambivalence isn't really necessarily that helpful if you're trying to further yourself. You know, like... Oh my God. It's not beneficial for you to be like, I don't really know like what I want my feminist practice to be, but I'm along for the ride. Yeah, if it's for fun, but if you're identifying as a feminist to, you know, to make change, you probably need to know what change actually looks yeah, like. And similar exactly. to what Bobo said, I wasn't, up until this episode, I was viewing feminism as a state of being as opposed to a vehicle to an end goal. A progress, yeah. So, you know, T, 
it's just there's a lot to think about. Um, I don't know if we had everyone spiral into an existential crisis after this. Enjoy. But with that being said, um, you know, you've just mentioned that we're not even on the same page when it comes to halitosis. So Mm. how will we be on the same page when it comes to um, freedom? Do you think at this point we should just all throw in the towel, get our titties sucked and watch the world blow up into smithereens? Or should we bother trying? Like, what's the point of (laughs) trying if we can't all be on the same page about whether we want to get that's there. the point I was trying that's the point I was making in the last episode I don't know if it was the one before this one or the one before where I was talking about you know mm. actually working towards bettering yourself or just going through the motions because it looks good like if you know you oh, can't yes. do what it takes then why try at all but that's not necessarily <laughs> a very productive way to look at the world I know for a fact that if I'm going to enjoy my time left on this world it's going to be from a selfish point of view that centers yeah. what I want what I need and what I have to do what I want to do to survive peacefully you know yeah I've come I've quite come to terms with the fact that if I die it's going to be because I was doing big enjoyment not because yes. I was here yeah. living, living scarcely <laughs> not because you were martyr. to prove a point <laughs> I don't need to like look I don't see if any of you I told you when it comes to heaven no plus ones you think that energy doesn't <laughs> exist on earth no plus ones none of you I don't think for any I'm of you on the floor I'm on the floor community where <laughs> I want everyone to have this self-awareness. I want this for everyone. (laughs) And like, it sounds super harsh and super terrible, but I don't know you. I barely know my own self. (laughs) No, Flex, you know why it's not super harsh and super terrible? It's because I think the vast majority of people feel the way you do, but they just don't have it in them to say it with their chest. Do you Mm. know what I mean? And I just think it's so much more productive to do what you're doing where you're like, no, I've chosen, I've chosen my path and I'm sticking with it and I'm dying on this hill. I think, I think for me, I don't enjoy individualism. I also, I don't, I don't get capitalism. Like, I don't think I fit into it. So I'm just existing out of it as much as humanly possible. And this is my lane and this is the hill that I'm going to die on. I know that I'm going to die by getting assassinated for being an opinionated bitch. Um, Honestly. Yeah, like I'm just, but you know what I mean? So for me, it's not so much big enjoyment more than it is big controversy. Um, But that's the hill I'm going to die on. You know what I mean? I'll be out in these streets talking shit about your favorite corporations, your favorite government, (laughs) talking shit about let's set everything on fire, being your favorite anarchist. Um, I'll be out here being my vegan self and then I'll get assassinated. But I'm willing, like I've made that decision and that's how I'm going to die. That's so, so everyone wild. make your decision. Because like I don't really get community like that. <laughs> really? Oh yeah. my god, please explain. Like <clears throat> in on a theoretical level, I can like I get community in terms of like family, although I don't yeah. have like personally have that kind of like familial bond with my extended family. I understand the concept of bloodline, you know, everybody wins, we elevate, like get this bread together, panini panini. Yeah. But like on like (laughs) for like a community of strangers like in terms of like let's even say geographical community i don't 
don't know yeah. who hoes like that. We just happen to live here because of circumstance. Now, coincidentally, we are. But don't you to... want to know these hoes? <laughs> Not really. And even if we did, like, I, I, yeah. I'm struggling to see how, you know, uh, being in this same geographical location by circumstance will mean that we're inherently going to share similar views about how we want to move forward and progress. I would, mm. look, it sounds great. Like in an utopian society, like I would love the idea of like walking around in a city full of like maybe like 500 people and like we all hear for the same shit. You grow my herbs, yeah. I grow your herbs, you feed my dog, like I build your house. Sounds incredible. But I guess yeah. like under the guise of capitalism and all on the foundation of capitalism, it sounds crazy because it is crazy. Re- I think capitalism is cr- like the idea that like me. I must wake up at 7am and go to work and ultimately, I no, hon- honestly, none of it makes sense. So I'm making money for me and then what? And then I die. I don't get it. Like, so I, I, I'm born, I go to school and then I work to make money and then I die. Like, I don't, I don't understand the concept of like individualism, like, how am I happy from doing that? Like, wouldn't we all just be happier if we were in communities of 30 people? We were all sucking each other's titties <laughs> and eating each other out. And you know what I mean? Like, doesn't that sound lit? Like, I don't get why we have to work. I don't get oh, why yeah, we have to crazy. exist. But I want to buy yeah, stuff. Yeah, or even like... So how do I buy stuff if nobody's in the factories? But... <laughs> <laughs> Because if you imagine, so we're in, so imagine we're in a community of 50 people, right? Mm. So let me use um, a restaurant as an example. So under capitalism, one person owns the restaurant and then the 50 people who work in that restaurant work to make profits for that one person. And then that one person gives these 50 people a fraction of the profits that they make. So in a communal context, in this restaurant, 20 people would work in this restaurant and they would have equity in it because they have ownership. So the, the means of production are not yours. You're not just like arbitrarily working for something um, just because you're in the system by force. You're working towards something that you actually own and you're working to do this thing. You're working towards this thing, not necessarily just as a means to an end for money but because it's an extension of who you are so it's like you're not forced to do something that is arbitrary just because you have to make money you essentially do something as an extension of being a human being but still doesn't it kind of exist on that capitalist wheel because now me and these 50 other people who have equity in this business are now going to sell our services to people and then we create the hierarchy in that way so now they need us and we have something that they want so we're selling it back to them and then oh no we all still need each other so so the difference here is just in the gap of inequality so in in a restaurant where there's one owner with equity and everyone else works for the owner the the gap between how much the owner makes versus how much the waiters make is massive as opposed mm. to if we oh, okay, all work right. in this yeah like this restaurant is ours so mm. not only am i more invested in the success of this restaurant it's actually more meaningful to me on a psychological and emotional level but also it's it's not arbitrary it's and it's also not like 
by force you know what i mean like i feel yeah. like capitalism is the is proverbial gun to your head yeah, yeah. capitalism is if like i run a, up a on you holding your ear <laughs> no literally capitalism, capitalism is, is if i telling you did she ask egg, you twice? it's an african mom literally she told literally. you to turn the stove off 10 minutes after she left and it's been three she hours told you to get that chicken <laughs> out the freezer and now she's gonna Store beat your the ass chicken. <laughs> She said, I told you, take off your shoes as you enter this house and the shoes are still on. What's wrong with you? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So capitalism is literally like me running running up on you and telling you, putting a gun to your head and telling you participate or I'll shoot you in the face and die. Whereas in a system of a micro community, like this system can't work in cities of millions of people. Like it has to literally be micro communities where women are free and where equity and means of production are shared equally. And that's rooted in um, community and justice as opposed to order. I feel like capitalism prioritizes order as opposed to like actual justice and fairness. That's also just another story, you know, for another day. So that's guess, my ideal, like, yeah. form of capitalism. So while Bobo is leading you all to salvation and I'm being a vehicle for capitalism, thank you for <laughs> listening. <laughs> it's been really lovely. <laughs> I know. This has been so fun. Let us know your thoughts. Let's continue this conversation in the description, not the description box. Let's continue the conversation in our Facebook group. Let us know, what do you think of beauty pageants? What do you think of feminism as a movement? And do you think that we will ever achieve global liberation? Do you think that we'll ever be able to come together to make sure the world doesn't end? To make sure that humans don't go exist, go don't go extinct? Do you think there's a point to all of it? Or should we all just throw in the towel and die? Let us know. Follow us on Instagram, on YouTube, on Twitter. We are on every single platform as Bobo and Flex. And we'll catch you in the next episode. Bye. Farewell. (laughs) Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.